HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. The following message has been brought to you by Fairway Market. What's the buzz about honey? Well, those busy little bees are up to something, and it is delicious. The Fairway label honey is superb. Fairway only hires worker bees that are the best at what they do. This makes for a great-tasting, high-quality honey at an amazing value with the Fairway stamp of approval. And on top of being delicious, honey is a great substitute for other sweeteners and can even benefit your health. This includes better energy, respiratory improvements, and balanced blood sugar levels. It's a no-brainer. Get your Fairway honey today. Boys, I'm mellow as a honeydew. Yay! Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. In the studio today, I have a good friend of mine, Selena Ricks Good. Uh, this is the creator of the Dizzy Fizz, which is an amazing blog, and an up-to-date account of cocktail happenings and trends in new york city and all over the world welcome to the show thanks for having me damon i'm glad we finally got you in here i and in pretty good timing <laughs> yeah just in time <laughs> but it's a great way to start the new year as well absolutely so you've been doing the dizzy fizz since 09 right Yes, uh, World Cocktail Day, May of '09. Uh, I was unemployed. I'd been sort of working on some articles for a few months before I wanted the blog to go live. And there was this big celebration at Prana uh, with all these top bartenders, not just from New York, but from all over. And I covered it, and it was a really exciting launch for me. Awesome. So you had been like, it like kind of in the in the in the the background in the cut like uh, checking out all these bars and you've been, you've been uh, an, a cocktail enthusiast for quite a while um right well um i was a nightlife editor for this website covering sort of restaurant bar reviews but i also had a lot of friends in the industry and um you know this was 2009 uh even the end of 08 um Things were really shifting in New York, and and people were getting excited about making drinks. And I was getting excited switching from dirty martinis to some really great classic cocktails. 
Um, so it was just an exciting time um, to be out and about and also having, you know, being forced to stay on top of all the new bar openings. Um, I felt like I had an insider's view. Yeah. So. What was the like the what was the moment? Do you remember the moment like the the drink the the bar? Uh, Ooh, that's a good question, right? <laughs> um, I mean, definitely when Clover Club opened, I just I was really blown away. Um, I guess before that, um, I think it was really just more about making drinks at home. Um, yeah. buying ingredients, stocking up the bar, getting just excited to see what we could make with Falernum or, you know, um, uh, Saints Elizabeth. Um, but, uh, no, I guess you, you kind of stumped me there. I'm not sure what, the, what the moment was. <laughs> it was just a blur. It was just a blur. You just got swept up in it. <laughs> Definitely. I feel like that happens love, to a lot of people. Got swept up. Um, and yeah, and it was just a lot of fun. Oh, you know what it was too? It was also like the Randolph. Yeah. Places oh, yeah. like that where it was, there was so much community. Um, yeah, that's definitely a bartender, like clubhouse. Um, so explain to us a little bit about the, the Dizzy Fizz. Like, what are some of your focuses as far as the, uh, the website goes? Uh, so, when I put the website together, I really wanted to take some of the seriousness out of uh, cocktail culture, really make it uh, approachable for the typical sort of person that goes out, wants to spend money on a couple drinks, um, take the intimidating factors out of cocktails. So uh, I put together a guide to some of what I thought were the best New York City bars serving cocktails with a map, Um, something that, for whatever reason, I couldn't find online. Mm -hmm. Um, I put a a glossary on the blog, and then I just started doing these articles, um, what to do this week in New York, uh, who's guest bartending, what are the new bars opening up, uh, staying on top of the trends and looking at ingredients, breaking them down. Um, and then I started interviewing the bartenders as well. And again, it was a really sort of light, casual format, um, just asking them these 12 funny questions, getting to know them um, and covering events. And next thing I knew, I was I was going out like four times a week. <laughs> it maybe sometimes four times, uh, four events in one night. Um, so it was a really fun time starting getting started in that. Cool. And I remember, um, I, I know we had <clears throat> corresponded like through emails, but uh, meeting you in person, not in New York City, but uh, at South by Southwest at a house party. Yep. That you had put together right uh, with uh, some of the USBG bartenders down in Texas and. I just remember a lot of Frenette and uh, Mindy Kuchin was there. That was a lot of fun. That was a great time. Austin is a great place. Um, and speaking of the cocktail scene, they're blowing up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really fun city. And it was, yeah, the internet is funny. That's how we met. Um, <laughs> I knew of you and, and then met you in, in person in Austin. But, um, and I think that's what's great about uh, the cocktail world is you just have this common interest and then next thing you know, you're sitting at this person's bar in Austin that you have been corresponding with and asking questions or sharing stories and you feel like you know them already. Um, just because you share this, this sort of love affair with a cocktail. Yeah. And especially, um, those kinds of events that, you know, you were talking about earlier, you know, know, like basically, uh, event hopping, you know, four in one night, there's so many of them nowadays, but you have actually coordinated, 
a couple of different ones. Uh, one that I was actually lucky enough to go to this uh, past holiday season was the Holiday Spirits Bazaar that you held at uh, the Astor Center. And it was really cool because in the very holiday kind of spirit, no pun intended, <laughs> um, uh, everyone was making punch, you know? Yeah. And didn't you, you did a couple of years ago at the Summit Bar, one of your first events was... It was my first event. Um, I just, I love entertaining in general. So when the blog was sort of taking off, I thought, you know, it would be great to sort of bring my audience together and, and see see everyone kind of in New York come together um, just for a fun night. And Summit Bar was still a new bar and, and they were looking to do an industry party. And they said, you know, you could totally do this here. And, and they had this really long bar and I just visualized bowls of punch along this bar and um it came together with about i think i had 10 different brands um it was totally free for you know invite only uh you know all the bartenders sort of a thank you and um we had about 150 people and i was really impressed with how it went off um so that was my first event and then the one just this past november um was my third annual holiday party but my fifth of fifth big event like that and um definitely my most successful i think we had about 350 people come it was a lot of fun yeah it was a lot of fun i was there i had a great time um yeah punch is definitely always a part of a dizzy fizz event because um it's it's like a communal like it's a celebratory communal thing you know it's it's celebratory and also like i love just showing up at a party and getting a drink right away (laughs) oh sure who doesn't (laughs) so that's what punch is good for tell us a little bit about the other event that you put on the uh, french spirit soiree right so uh last april um i i wanted to do a springtime event um not necessarily during manhattan cocktail classic so i wanted to hold it a little earlier um and I was thinking absinthe at first, but then I thought that might be too overwhelming. So there's just so many great French spirits. We had Lillet, we had Benedictine, Cointreau, um, we had Armagnac, Cognac, uh, I, yeah, we had Vermouth. I mean, it just went on and on. And we had a... Sounds like a party, man. <laughs> a really great band and some burlesque dancers. So this year, um, I want to throw that party again. But uh, on hopefully on Bastille Day. Perfect. That makes way too much sense. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and that will give me some time to sort of uh, plan for that this summer. And you get chartreuse in there too. Hopefully, hopefully <laughs> they were hard to get for the last one. But yeah, um, yeah we had some really great brands come together. Saint Germain. Um, I was I was just really impressed with how well that turned out as well. So so far, every event has been really successful. Excellent. <laughs> um, so at these events, obviously, you've got, um, like you said, uh, entertainment, like the fans and stuff. That's something that we were talking about before the show. You know, as far as like cocktail trends go, um, it's always hard to predict what's happening next. But you were saying you want to see more like entertainment and. In cocktail joys, or like it would be interesting to see that, and I think I can totally agree with that because really, what you're doing with these places is you're building a whole experience, you know. And I know that Clover Club, speaking of them again, they always have uh, the Dreamland Orchestra play, and yeah. uh, that it always makes for a great environment, you know. I think it does make sense. I think um, you know, 
people want to dress up a little bit on a weekend night in, in New York and like a non-holiday weekend night, right? Yeah, you just, just kind like, of want yeah. like a nice, elegant evening, you know. And then, yeah, there's the other side of it. There's bartenders running their own dive bars, but I think there's definitely an audience in New York that wants that sort of vintage. They want to wear their vintage outfits and um, listen to jazz and maybe see some burlesque and have a really nice cocktail at the same time. Um, And I've been hearing also that there might be a a milk and honey moving to Midtown. I'm not sure. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I could see like Midtown also becoming sort of a place for that. And I think the Rum House is doing... Oh, yeah. The Rum uh, House. Yeah, because... Oh, God, I forget the piano player's name, but I think his... I think his nickname is Leadfoot. I want to say he's just always just stomping the ground really hard while he's playing this like uh, like ragtime stuff. Yeah, we went there one night and that was happening. It was just kind of like totally transport you to another like time in another environment. You know, especially in New York City, it's like you try. There's so much escapism that <laughs> you try to uh, perform, it and it doesn't always happen. But it's really it's really nice to be in an environment like that and get away for a sec. You know. Yeah, I agree. And, um, you know, people always ask, what, what what can we do in New York when we're visiting? And and so I just, I think there's definitely room for that trend to grow. And uh, it's more communal than the sort of just going into a speakeasy, you know, and feeling like you've right. discovered something um, to discover something and, you know, be entertained at the same time. Um so I think that's it's an exciting time in New York. I hope more places do add uh, performance. Yeah, absolutely. And if we have to go like with a couple of kazoos and just start <laughs> <laughs> annoying everybody, we'll do it. <laughs> yeah, no, we will. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So uh, let's take a quick break. And then when we get back, uh, we'll be talking more about cocktails and the state of cocktail dome. <laughs> that's even a word I could use with Selena Rixgood. Back in a moment. Oh, yeah. All right. Somebody's hiding. We're back, 
You're listening to Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. In the studio today, I have the lovely Selena Ricksgood, who is, at the moment, <laughs> 39 and a half weeks pregnant, yep. due on Sunday. Congratulations. Thank you. That's very exciting. Um, we were talking uh, during the break about mocktails. Yes. <laughs> I've had a few. <laughs> you've had quite a few over the past, uh, you know... Nine months. Nine months. Um, so... It's, it can be, depending on where you are and like who the bartender is, sometimes a point of contention for bartenders to make mocktails because... I think it catches them off guard. It catches them off guard, totally. They're, you know, a mocktail is always going to be cheaper than a regular cocktail, too. So it's not like their focus is, oh, I'm going to make a, a raspberry, you know, mint lemonade um, we're gonna sell. We're gonna sell so many of these tonight, you know. So, um, I think it's you know when I come into the bar and they see me, um, you know, it does catch them off guard. But I kind of like to put them on the spot that way as well. <laughs> well, I think it's. I think you know, like especially nowadays with so many great bartenders out there and so much more information and so much more creativity. I think it's one of the best like challenges for bartenders since they're typically using the spirit as one of the flavors in the cocktail or spirits as the flavors in the cocktail i think it's definitely a way to flex your creative muscles in a cocktail and make something interesting and delicious and you know not too sweet uh yes not too sweet if i could give out a public service announcement (laughs) for everyone um yeah i've just had a lot of uh sugary versions of of you know cocktails um where you know there's just extra fruit or sugar compensating but then i've had some really amazing refreshing cocktails as well uh, sorry mocktails as well um so i see it as you know a really good um you know way to sort of um challenge a bartender to do something um more of a culinary level yeah absolutely. and yeah i've had some really good ones and i've had some really bad ones <laughs> <laughs> but it's great to see some places with an actual menu like i was saying a uh, gramercy tavern mm-hmm. um but then you can just go into you don't you shouldn't feel limited that you can't go to a bar um it's a little awkward for everyone else but who cares <laughs> <laughs> no but i think it's i think it's great i think it's uh you know we were talking about it on the break as well um you know, there are certain ingredients that you can use in mocktails that are totally. I mean, like that, like like you were saying, ginger beer. Like ginger, ginger beer, beer is great, you know, is delicious. Take ginger beer and mix it with some other stuff, and you've got a great mocktail. You yeah, know, and then I've like got something spicy. cold to drink, yeah. and I feel like I'm not sticking out with my lemonade. <laughs> right, right, totally. <laughs> and also, like one of my favorite things to use for uh, for mocktails is uh, San Pellegrino makes the the sand bitter, which is basically a non alcoholic. Like Americano cocktail. Yeah. I think actually a Gramercy does this sort of non-alcoholic Negroni like, yeah, that totally. is really good. <laughs> yeah. I, I, when I was using it at home a couple of years ago, I would just mix it with gin and call it a, a no-groni <laughs> or a non-groni. Non-groni. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think especially with so many, like when you go to these cocktail bars, they've got so many different like fresh fruits and herbs and spices and you know they're all right there on the bar you know and people like to display them the, the whole mise en place you know you've got a whole spectrum of flavors that you can play with so might as well use them you know yeah so long as they're well balanced you can have a really delicious non-alcoholic cocktail absolutely yeah 
You know, um, another thing we were talking about um, on that subject was, you know, and especially for you reporting on like the New York City like cocktail bartending scene, is that obviously New York City is basically like the capital of you know the cocktail world, and everything pretty much starts here and then spreads to the rest of the world as far as like cocktail trends and uh, different flavors and ideas. And one of those things is, you know, that we have access to so many different spirits. First of all, more spirits than most people can get their hands on. We're pretty spoiled. We're pretty spoiled. (laughs) And we always get them first. Right. Um, But not only that, you know, um, the 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 different types of ingredients that the bartenders are making on their own, you know, like the different tinctures and bitters, and syrups, and even you know, like I know people are making their own amaro, you know, that kind of stuff. It's when when it gets pressed, when it goes out to the press, when it's in the news, and you know, someone even upstate or you know, someone in Minnesota reads about it. Like, how are they able to, like? I know that it's become a, a, an issue where people are trying to recreate these cocktails, and I think they're, they um, people do get overwhelmed uh, when they read some of these drink recipes, um, and then they they get turned off, or they think it's a big joke, or, or, or you know, we're just going overboard. Why can't we just have a frozen margarita and call it a day? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but for the people who do want to try to make these drinks at home, I think the important thing to keep in mind is um, if you can't find the specific ingredient, find out what the flavor profile is and see if you can re- recreate it in another way. Um, there was an article in the New York Times last month where this writer, uh, he was living upstate. Um, he tried to make three different drinks from the PDT cocktail book, um, staying within his own community, going to different liquor stores and he spent like almost $500 on these bottles and um you know full price you know some of these spirits are very expensive and not everyone can just go to New York City and and get these cocktails um so these these were some advanced drinks he was trying to make and i thought his point was a little discouraging saying you know um you have to live in New York to have access to these ingredients um, and then he didn't even use fresh juice when he was making the drinks. He used grocery store juice. Um, so I think there's definitely room to learn the fundamentals of making cocktails. And you can do a lot with just fresh juice and a couple of simple ingredients um, and start from there. Get get your favorite sort of basic classics down before you're um, trying to make, you know, <laughs> some Jimmy Han concoction yeah. with... <laughs> With a special tincture, um, or like Don Lee with like popcorn infused, you know, rum. Or <laughs> right, these are these are novelty drinks, um, you know, and they're great, they're delicious, but they are they are kind of they're obviously advanced, advanced, um, right? So <laughs> that book is a, a wonderful book, and it's it's a beautiful book, and it's chock full of really amazing information. But it is definitely for the advanced bartender. It's not, you know, it's not to be exclusive. It's it's sharing ideas, you know. Right. I think that's really cool. Sharing and inspiring you know? people, you know, exactly. to try their own twists on on that drink or this drink. But um, I just hope people at home don't get uh, overwhelmed and turned off by the whole cocktail craziness because it sometimes um, gets a little blown out of proportion. Um, but there's you know tons of information online to help 
um, just sort of the beginner home bartender get started. Um, so I, you know, I hope they'll go to my blog and they'll, they'll read some of the recipes or, or other blogs. Um, there's definitely hundreds of cocktail blogs out there. Um, and you can interact with bloggers. You know, that's one great thing is most of us will just answer your comments and questions right away. So, yeah, I like what you said about learning the classics first, because nowadays one, one of the things that really gets to me is when you go to, with so many, especially with so many cocktail bars popping up, there are almost too many of them and not enough experienced bartenders in, in, right. like, in, you know, in classics. And, you know, when Phil Ward was on the show, he he was talking about it for a little while. You know, we were we talked about it definitely in depth. But, you know, if, if I come into your bar and, like, I, I look at your menu, I'm like, oh, that's really cool and creative. Um, I'll have a Brandy Alexander, and you can't make it. You know, I'm like, why are you doing – because pretty much anyone can write a cocktail menu, you know. Anyone can put drinks together. Um, they might not always be, you know – all the way thought out or maybe not that great but for the most part it's like you can if you're if you've been bartending for like a couple of years you can put a menu together but just understanding the classics is a very important part of bartending and you know especially like you were saying with fresh juices and stuff like that if you if you're living in like kansas like if you're in lawrence kansas and i've been hearing good things about kansas city lately, oh yeah actually. <laughs> actually, and st louis too um, but you know, if, if you're making a sidecar, you know, even if you're using cheap triple sec and cheap brandy, I mean, at least do yourself the, like the favor of like using freshly squeezed lemon juice and not like the stuff out of the squeeze bottle from the grocery store. Right. Yeah. I think there's just some fundamentals that every, every professional bartender should definitely know, but then, you know, the home bartender should just start from there as well. So, um, absolutely. Yeah, I just hope that that people don't look at you know the New York trends and go, oh, I need um, I need to start doing my sherry vinegars and you know <laughs> just get overwhelmed um, and and really give the whole whole uh, experience a chance. Yeah. What do you think? Some of the uh, what are some of your predictions as far as the uh, the uh, the this year's like holiday or sorry uh, uh, cocktail trends for twenty twelve for twenty twelve. Um, so yeah, I, the last two years I did put a list together this year, drinking a lot of mocktails, I have to say, I feel <laughs> a little out of the loop, but, um, I just, you know, I definitely think the industry is still growing. Um, you know, there's new micro distilleries opening. Um, it's, it's still a really exciting time in New York and, and I think the bartenders are going to be the ones to come up with the trends moving forward. Um, but having said that, um, you know, I think we will see see a lot of the the seriousness still coming out of the speakeasy movement. I think people are um, looking for a more casual cocktail scene, and that's why there's a lot of bartenders, you know, looking to open their own bars, um, creating excellent drinks in a much more casual atmosphere. Absolutely. Um, so that's something I'm excited to see. Um, other than that, I'm just, I'll, I'll be really looking to the bartenders to tell me what's new and exciting, whether it's carbonation or, um, 
carbonation is definitely a topic that's been thrown around over the last couple of months. And I was thinking last year I would see more more cocktails on tap, and I hadn't really seen that yet. So I don't know if that's something that will materialize. Um, just making drinks faster and easier, but still just excellent cocktails. Just totally executing the, the classics to the, the highest level. I, I love that, you know. If you make me a, a, just a classic daiquiri, I'm the happiest dude in the bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully um, education will continue to be a trend, you know. Yeah. And more people in the bartending community, you know, I I think they do see themselves as mentors um, to the next generation. So, yeah. Well, Selena, I've had a a great time talking with you. I'm so glad (laughs) that you got to come on the show. I mean, and I thank you for coming on, like, literally with days until this is probably one of your more sober shows, but <laughs> no, I love it. Because it. It. <laughs> um, we we don't get to talk about mocktails, and I think it's definitely one of uh, it's definitely something that gets overlooked at bars a lot, and it's something that, like you said, you know, is a challenge for bartenders, and they should take more uh, more time to consider. I agree. You know, <laughs> everyone always, you know, like any uh, bartender, anytime you do like a bartender's choice, they always, you know. If it's gin, if it's shaken or stirred, you've got one each, you know? Right. And uh, if someone asks for a mocktail, you should have, you know, four Have a or five few in your pocket, yeah. definitely. Absolutely. Well, congratulations again. And thank you again for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. And I can't wait to uh, see your kid. And, <laughs> and I also can't wait to uh, continue to read uh, The Dizzy Fizz. And we'll have a great time on Bastille Day. Sounds good to me. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, Selena. Thanks, Damon. Cheers. All right. This has been the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. Cheers. Look at that look in his eye, babe. Man, I wouldn't lie. You can't hide than a guy. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening. Man, I wouldn't lie. The Gentiles.